my joy and privilege to be with you here this morning while Pastor Chris is away with Tony for an anniversary trip to St. Martin. And uh, I'm thrilled to be with you on this side of the service. And um, I want to take this moment while I'm up here to say a special thank you to a lot of you that wished me well over the last uh, week uh, when I came back last week. And uh, a lot of people wished me well over Jenny and I's trip to Korea. And we had an absolute blast going to Korea, seeing a lot of family and friends and eating lots and lots of Korean food. And so I was really happy. Now, I don't speak a lick of Korean, but I do know a couple of phrases that come in really handy. I found that come in really handy when you go to Korea. Do you want to speak some Korean this morning? All right. Now, Jenny's in the front row judging me, and she's fluent in Korean, so this is, I'm going to do my best. All right. So let's see. One of the most helpful phrases you can say, mashisayo. Mashisayo means this is delicious. Okay. <laughs> The next most uh, important one, pebuloyo, pebuloyo, pebulo, means I'm full. <laughs> Equally important. You've got to be a good eater when you go to Korea. And of course, if you go to Korea, you have to know how to say hello. And it's this, annyeonghaseyo, annyeonghaseyo, annyeonghaseyo. All right, you have to get a little bow when you do it too, annyeonghaseyo. This is just the standard uh, greeting in Korean. But I love what the literal translation means. It literally translates to, are you at peace? Yeah, that's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. And so, and when you leave and someone else is staying, you tell them, annyeonghaseyo, which means stay in peace. And when someone departs from you, you tell them, annyeonghikaseyo, which means go in peace. That's a cool salutation. Did I do okay? So, all right. All right. <laughs> Sweating it there. I think this is a really cool salutation, and you know, it got me thinking that it's really interesting, in every language that I'm familiar of, the salutation is, has to do with something of a variation of this question, are you at peace? Think about what we say in English, how you doing? How are you? We're basically asking about someone's level of peace. We care about peace, don't we? You know, peace is universal. We strive for peace, we long for peace, we work for peace. You know, we buy things in the hope of peace and we make money on the promise of peace and yet despite all this, why does peace for so many of us often seem like it's just out of our reach? This morning I want to tackle this question and it might be an impossible question, but I want to see if we can discover what the secret to peace is. And I want to begin this morning by a scripture that might be the most oft-quoted scripture in the entire Bible about peace, Come, and it comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and this morning we're going to focus specifically on verses 4, 6, and 7. So hear these words, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are beautiful words. 
They inspire peace just saying them. But I got to tell you, something really bothers me about them. They're just too simple. I mean, if I'm reading this right, shouldn't we be able to just, like, jot down a list of the things that are bothering us and say a little prayer and hand it to God and, I don't know, go around walking all peaceful-like for the rest of our lives? It seems that simple. But if we read it that way, we have to ask, why doesn't it feel like it works? Why don't I feel any more peace after I do an exercise like that? Well, I think in order to understand this passage in Philippians, we need a paradigm shift with how we're reading it. We need to approach it differently. And the way that we need to approach it is with this mindset, I believe. Simple does not equal easy. Again, simple does not equal easy. Think about a lot of the principles in our life. They kind of follow this mindset. You know, for instance, if you really think about it, what's the secret to weight loss? It's using more calories than you eat. It's really that simple. What's the secret to building wealth? Save more money than you spend. What's the secret to having more time for the things that matter? Spend less time on the things that don't matter. All these things are simple, yeah, and they're true. They're very true. You can try as you might to get around these principles, but you can't. That's the thing that makes them principles. But are they easy? No, it's hard to lose weight. It's hard to manage our finances. It's hard to know how to manage our time. When we read this passage in Philippians with this same sort of mindset, in other words, when we read it not looking for a shortcut, but instead looking for a steadfast principle, maybe we get this instead. The secret to peace is letting go of anxiety. The secret to peace is letting go of anxiety. Now, talk about something that's simple, but really, really hard. In fact, just the fact that Paul has the audacity to say, don't worry about anything, kind of makes me worry about stuff, you know? <laughs> when was the last time, you, you know, have you ever had this happen, like someone comes up to you and they say, hey, I need to talk to you later, but uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> what do you think you're going to do? You're going to worry about it. It's like if I said, whatever you don't do, whatever you do, don't think about your right elbow. You're going to start thinking about your right, you're thinking about your right elbow right now. What is the secret to letting go of anxiety? How do we even begin to wrap our heads around this? Well, let me give a disclaimer right now. I don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to pretend to stand up here and you're going to walk out after you hear this sermon and be peaceful. Again, there are no shortcuts. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. But thinking specifically about this passage in Philippians... I came across a metaphor from personal experience that happened to my wife and I recently, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. And it has to do with our thoughts and our stuff. <laughs> stuff, you know stuff. The stuff in your house, specifically. Our house has a lot of stuff. It's not a good thing. Stuff just seems to like congregate in our house. It's like one piece of stuff calls out the, all, the other stuff in the neighborhood and it just seems to stack on top of each other, you know? So, 
we can't throw away our stuff, you know, that might hurt the feelings of the stuff, and we can't throw away stuff because that might hurt the feelings of the people that gave you the stuff, and it's just round and round and round we go, and we can't get rid of stuff, and so stuff just sort of keeps on multiplying. It's a very sad situation. Well, Jenny and I had decided this year we had had enough of the stuff, so we were going to put an end to this, and we were going to declutter our home. And so we started doing a little bit here and there, but it wasn't until I found a book, and it's this book right here called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, that we really started to make some headway. Maybe some of you have heard of this book. It's kind of popular right now. It's by a Japanese author named Marie Kondo. And what makes Kondo's method so unique is that, you know, common sense indicates that when you declutter, you should go into a room and tidy it up and then go into the next room and tidy it up. But she says, uh-uh. What you do instead is you declutter by category. So, for instance, the first category that you do is clothes. You gather every piece of clothing from every corner of the house and you dump it all on the floor. Guys that are married, your floor is going to be covered for the next three months. <laughs> <clears throat> you dump it all on the floor and then you proceed with what we call the joy check. And it's how you select what items to keep and which to throw away. You hold, you hold each item individually. Don't just look at it. You hold it with your hands physically and you ask yourself one simple, not easy, but simple question. Does this item spark joy? If it sparks joy, you keep it. If it doesn't spark joy, you let it go. And now the interesting thing about this exercise is that it's not necessarily for the purpose of living with less stuff, although many would argue that would be, you know, superior to living with more stuff. But the true point of this exercise is to only surround yourself with the things that bring you joy. So I want to begin this morning, I want to update you on where we are on our uh, declutter campaign. And I want to begin this morning by showing an item of mine, an item of mine that's uh, sparked joy. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is my super cat shirt. It's, it's disgusting, so don't, don't look too close at it after the service. But, so this is my super cat shirt and it's, it's actually stitched in. This was made for me and my best friend Kyle and our friend Travis when we were in high school for our band. On, on the back it says J31, that, which was our band name, June 31st. And if you want to think about the significance of that, of that date, um, thir 30 days have September, April, there's, there's no June 31st. It's, very, it's a very ironic, very ironic high schoolers. So anyway, this was sort of our mascot shirt, and we would, we would all wear it periodically. And, and every time I look at this shirt, I feel joy because I think about a very special time in my life, and I think about a friendship that's very dear to me. And so I'm not about to throw this thing away, even though I'm not about to wear it because if you look, it's kind of gross in the back. So anyway, this hangs up in my office closet, and every time I look at it, it brings me a little bit of happiness. You know, I don't think it's an accident that Paul opens Philippians 4 by saying what? Rejoice. And he says it again, rejoice. And I can't help but think that part of letting go isn't just the act of letting go. It's finding a little bit of joy to replace it. It's kind of neat. 
Now, in any average house filled with stuff, there's inevitably that stuff that you've gone on for a while without even realizing it's there. And I think that's kind of the most dangerous ones because we assume that this thing is just paying rent in our house and so we can leave it alone. But I want to share with you such an item to me. This is, uh, this is, Mist- this is Mr. Lion. Um, Mr. Lion lived in our guest room closet for about a year and a half. And, uh, you know, I didn't really think much about him. And every time I looked in the closet, I didn't even notice he was there. And so when I was decluttering stuff, I said, okay, it's, it's time to come to the bottom of how Mr. Lion came to live in our house. And so I held him in my hand like this. And I remembered. I remembered how he came to be with us. Do you remember how he came to be with us? Jenny's father bought him at his most favorite place to shop in the entire universe, and my mother-in-law's most favorite place to shop in the entire universe, the Parish United Methodist Church Thrift Cottage in Thrift Cottage (laughs) Annex. That in itself is kind of neat. So it's like two worlds colliding, and I love that about that. Every time I see this line now, I think of my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, who I love very dearly, and uh, it's, it's a special item, you know, that they had that connection here. But, you know, even that wasn't enough to truly spark joy in me. And I looked at him, and I said, well, that's cool, but what am I going to do, frame it? You know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. So but it's then, after I picked it up, that I noticed, hey, makes kind of a cool sound. Oh, and the back does too, and the back is hollow, and the back is a perfect place to store guitar picks. And that kills two birds with one stone because my students are constantly losing my guitar picks. (laughs) So now Mr. Lion sparks joy in me because not only does he have a special memory and he's got a very uh, functional purpose, but now he lives over here in the green room where I give lessons, and now I've got an ocean of picks that my students can lose. And so I'm, I'm really happy about this. And so, oops, one fell. You know, in Philippians 4, Paul says, with prayer and petition, submit your anxieties to God. In other words, confront what you're dealing with. Don't run away from it. I think that part of what gives us so much anxiety sometimes isn't a situation itself It's the avoidance of it. It's the fact that we think that we're better off just letting that situation fester as opposed to saying, okay, God, this is what's going on. This is the situation. Let me hand this to you. I think when we confront the things, even the things that we've become numb to, when we hold them in our hands, we truly find the purpose and the meaning of them. Sometimes something that might have previously been useless or causing anxiety can actually spark a little bit of joy. So then what about the items that spark no joy? This is the saint. This is a 1997 thriller starring everyone's least favorite Batman, Val Kilmer. And, you know, I don't really collect DVDs. I don't buy DVDs. If I ever want to watch a movie, I go to the theater or I watch it on streaming, Netflix, something like that. 
But over the years, I tend to get DVDs as Christmas gifts or birthday gifts. And so we have this DVD rack in our living room, which is kind of ludicrous considering we don't collect DVDs. But I proudly display every DVD I own right there. So as I held this particular movie in my hands, I came to three profound realizations. One, this is a horrible movie. <laughs> Two, I'm never going to watch this movie again. And three, I'm never going to give this to anybody to watch. I don't want them to think I have bad taste in movies. <laughs> but you know what's even more <laughs> interesting about this particular movie is that this movie was given to me by an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I know. Don't tell Jenny, she's right there. <laughs> and uh, I think, I think the reason that she got it for me is that we hadn't been dating that long and she wasn't sure whether she should get me something for my birthday or not, so I'm pretty sure she picked this up out of a bargain bin at Walmart just so that she'd have something to give me. Um, you know, every time I looked over at this movie, I didn't think about that in particular, but there was this sort of churning in my stomach every time I looked at it. And I know somewhere back in my mind was an anxiety that I hadn't confronted. And this thing that I thought was supposed to spark joy in me, because it's a DVD and DVDs spark joy, actually didn't. And actually, it was taking a little bit of joy away from me. Now, there's one particular thing in Marie Kondo's book that she has you do every time you come to an item that sparks no joy. You have to express gratitude. You have to express gratitude to the item. And the reason that you express gratitude is because it teaches you. It teaches you what you didn't like about the item. It teaches you how did it come to be in your house in the first place. And after you've made peace with it, you're able to let go and you're able to move on with your life. So this is what I have to say in gratitude for the saint. Um, saint, I'm thankful that on my birthday, someone liked me enough to give me a gift. And I liked the joy that it sparked in me when I opened that gift, and I've felt the appreciation of another person. And I'm equally thankful that now that I'm older, I've come to realize I don't need DVDs to give me joy. And I'm free to let you go, and I'm free to move on. With petition and thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. It's right there in the chapter in Philippians. It's so small that sometimes we, we miss it. But Paul makes it a point to say we need to hand over our anxious situations with thanksgiving. How are we supposed to learn the lessons of our anxiety, the fruit that they're supposed to bear, without first acknowledging what they're trying to teach us. It's so important, but I believe until we can approach a situation with thanksgiving, with gratitude, we can't truly let go. But you know, it's one thing to let go of a bad Val Kilmer movie. It's another thing to let go of when someone's wronged you, of when someone's turned the knife in you. When someone's betrayed you, it's even harder 
to let go of the pain of deep-seated loss, of deep-seated regrets, of those times you wish you could forget, but you can't. As we wrestle with these deeper things, I want to conclude with uh, one more item this morning that has helped me uh, understand a little bit of this principle in an item that has sparked joy in me. This is my grandfather's banjo. Howard Godfrey was a uh, beloved member of the small town of West Point, Georgia, rural West Georgia. And his whole life he owned a gas station, Godfrey's Gas Station. And one of my favorite images about my grandfather that my father tells me is that in the warm Georgia heat of a summer day, when business was slow, he'd get out his banjo and he'd strum up some business, as he called it. He'd get out his banjo, he'd play, and the neighbors would come out and hear him, and sure enough, they'd come over and they'd cut up and they'd have a good old time, and business would pick up. And they'd all enjoy each other's company. I never met my grandfather. Um, he died from lung cancer when my father was only 18 years old. And after he died, he left the duties of running the service station to my grandmother, who I was very fortunate to know, we called her Grandmommy, and to my dad. And Grandmommy would go in early in the morning to the service station and work all day. And then my father would go to school and late at night come home to close. And they worked tirelessly to keep the service station open. But business was hard. And so one thing that they had to resort to do was go in the back where there had been this file of debts. This isn't the file, but just as an example. There was a file of debts that had accumulated over the years. Because my grandfather was a, he was a very trustworthy person. He did a lot of business on credit and IOUs. And so to keep the service station afloat, they looked in this file of debts and saw that a lot of these statements were overdue. And so they contacted everyone and they sent out statements and they made calls but statements were sent, and statements were ignored. Calls were made, and they weren't returned. You know, it was as if when my grandfather died, the debts of these people seemed to die with him. They didn't care about his family. And they went on about their lives, pretending like they didn't know anything. And this made my dad angry. And it made grandmommy angry. And they carried this anger around for a year, pestering these people to pay up, but no one ever did. Very few people ever did. A year of this went by, and one Sunday afternoon, Grandmommy came into the, the living room in the house, and she looked at my dad and she said, Ken, this file is eating me alive. I don't think I can take it anymore. And it's time we took action on it. And my dad, who was so angry, he said, yes, it's time. Let's get that lawyer. We're going to go after these people. We're going to make them pay for what they've done to us. And he said, what do you have in mind? And she just said, in her sweet southern drawl, 
follow me. They went outside where she had gathered some sticks and made a fire on an old cookout grill. She took a dead out of the file. She read the name at the top. She said, I forgive you. And then she tore the dead in half and she tossed it into the fire. Grandmommy and dad stood there in silence for a few moments just thinking about the gravity of what she had done. And then grandmommy looked at dad and she said, do you want to try? And dad just stood there and said, I don't think I can. And then grandmommy said something to my dad that I know has resonated with him through all his life. She said, Ken, I don't think we have a choice. Until we learn to forgive, we can't be forgiven. And then she reached into the file again, pulled out another debt, read the name, and said, I forgive you, and ripped it up and threw it into the fire. My dad stood by watching grandmommy do this for some time. And he says it took every bit of strength and courage within him. But slowly but surely, he went over to that file of debts. He held it in his hand for a long time. And he read the name. And he said, I forgive you. And he tore the debt and threw it in the fire. Working together, it took grandmommy and my dad 30 minutes to burden each individual debt. But when they were done, for the first time, in a long time. They were free. They had let go. Is letting go simple? Yeah, it's simple. But is letting go easy? No. Letting go is hard. It might be the single hardest act that you ever do. It might be the most difficult journey that you ever take. But I know two beautiful truths about that journey. One is that on the other side of it, there's a peace we couldn't possibly understand while we're holding on to something. And the other thing I know about it is that you don't have to do it alone. Because God has promised never to leave and abandon you, and because you're sitting next to someone who's holding on to someone right now. We're all holding on to something because it's hard to let go. And the hardest part is that first step because you have to take it. But this I know. I hope you do because the peace 
that comes with letting go. It's life-changing. Will you pray with me? God, we are weak. We can't let go ourselves. For letting go is an act of strength. It's an act of mightiness. But we are blessed to serve a strong and mighty God. So fill us with your strength, with your presence. And if we are brave enough to take that first step today, and embark on that journey. Hold us in your strength and see it through to the end. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.